Are you tired of being told what to think and how to act? Well, you are not alone. In case you haven't realized it, you have an internal GPS. It knows all you need to know about how to live your life. So it's about time you stopped letting the media and the government tell you what is true for you. In fact, it is exactly that time. It's time to think for yourself. And here to make sure you're doing just that is your host, mediator, author, and lawyer, Carol Gold. Hi, it's Wednesday, March 2nd. I'm Carol Gold, and welcome to Think for Yourself. Today may be a bit of an abbreviated podcast since I actually injured my back and I'm in a bit of pain, but I have something really important that I want to say. And given the circumstances that are unfolding around the globe, I think it is important to be heard and to be heard from the heart as opposed from the brain. And that's what I hope to do right now. In a prior podcast, I made reference to the fact that there allegedly has been intel on Putin over the last several years that he may have a brain tumor. And in my podcast, I said, I don't know what's more dangerous, a Vladimir Putin with a brain tumor or one that doesn't have a brain tumor. We may have an answer today. There is an article in the American Spectator by someone named Paul Congor. Paul Congor is a an author and a political science expert. He is an expert on Russia and Russian history, and he's also a fellow at the Hoover Institute, which is a conservative think tank at Stanford University. In Kanger's article, he describes something truly disturbing about Putin. Without going into great detail, you can Google the article yourself. As I said, The American Spectator, an article by Paul Kangor. He explains how Putin keeps 10 dogs in large cages in the basement of the Kremlin. They are vicious dogs. He keeps them vicious. He has trained them vicious. He keeps them that way. And he does it as a symbol of what strength really looks like. Back when Obama was president, when someone who Paul Congor knows quite well, but who he gave a fictitious name to in the article, because this is apparently someone very well known in this country, was in Russia and in the Kremlin, Putin took him downstairs to the basement where the dogs were. He simply showed him these vicious dogs in the cages and said, that's what a real dog looks like. What he was referring to was Putin's prior mocking of Barack Obama's dog, Bo. I think he had a cockapoo or a poodle or a crossbreed, whatever it was, a mixed breed. Sweet little dog while Obama was in the White House. And Putin mocked that. And he saw the dog as weak and sissified. And he saw that as a representation of who Obama was. This is something that is not only particularly Russian, meaning this show of macho-ness, this display of strength. We also see it in the Middle East. It's very common among the Arabic countries, and Israel has understood it for a long time, that they don't respect anything, the Arabic nations, the Muslim nations, except strength. They see the willingness to negotiate and compromise as weakness, and they will take advantage of it wherever they can. It's pretty clear to me, if not to you, it is to me that what Putin is doing is he has assessed our, meaning the United States' strength at this moment in time. He has made a determination about Joe Biden. 
he has determined that it is in his interest to now go on the offensive, which is what he is doing in Ukraine. It is not rational in a sense. And so I don't really care whether he has a tumor or not. I don't care whether he is mentally fit or not. His actions are the actions of someone who is evil. They are the actions of someone who lacks humanity. And they are the actions of a megalomaniac who has no value for human life. I know that some people have mentioned a no-fly zone. I know that the opposition to that is that should a plane that belongs to NATO or the United States get shot down, or should a Russian plane get shot down in a no-fly zone, we will be in World War III. I know that that is the argument. And no one wants to be in World War III. But no one wanted to be in World War II either. And they didn't want it for a very long time. For the same reasons that they don't want it now. But sooner or later, and it turned out later, to the deaths of millions, Hitler had to be dealt with. He had to be stopped. And Putin will have to be stopped. Because I don't really care what the politics are, nor do I care what the financial interests are in war, or the financial interests in not cutting off the U.S. purchasing of oil from Russia as I speak still. I don't care what any of that is. I watch real-time videos out of Ukraine on Instagram, on YouTube, of not only the devastation that's happening to the infrastructure and to the physical aspects of Ukraine, not only the slaughter of these incredibly brave people, but also what the Russian army is being put through, because I believe that many of them have either been duped into believing that they were not going to have to have great resistance when they went into Ukraine, and or they are insufficiently supplied with food, water, and functioning armaments. Putin doesn't care how many he kills of his own or his adversary as he sees it. He has a lust for power. He has a lust for bravado that he's willing to back up at the cost of anything, probably except his own life, which is probably the one life we could afford to do without at the moment. But I don't see this as being about Putin. I see this as being about us, everyone else in the world who is watching it happen in real time and finding every excuse in the world not to intervene now. Not to intervene now just means to intervene later. And the major excuse that we're getting second to, we don't want to start World War III, which we may already in fact be in. We may have been in a cyber World War III for quite a while now. But when people say we don't want to be in World War III, they're talking about a physical war. They're talking about troops on the ground, U.S. troops, European troops on the ground in the Ukraine. To anyone who doesn't want to do that, and no one in their right mind does, there is an alternative, and that is to absolutely flood Ukraine with every weapon they need, offensive and defensive, to end this, because we have that capability and we're not using it. And if we are, we're using it painfully slowly while we are watching people die. You know, 
you couldn't watch those people in the concentration camps in World War II die in real time. We didn't have the technology of seeing them marched into the ovens, of seeing their emaciation, of seeing their prior roundup in cities all across Europe, put into first forced labor camps and then concentration camps and extermination camps. But we're seeing that kind of slaughter now in real time. I find it incredibly difficult to sleep. I find it incredibly difficult to worry about the kinds of things I normally concern myself with. Because when all is said and done, the thing that is most horrific and that should be forefront in our minds at the moment is that fellow humans are being slaughtered in real time and we're watching it in real time and we're not doing enough about it. And we've got all kinds of excuses. You know, when I listened to Kamala Harris or I listened to Joe Biden talk about wanting to ease the difficulty on the American population in terms of gas prices, I want to scream at either the screen that I'm looking at or the audio that I'm listening to. Because if he really wanted to do that, then just open up the XL pipeline and open up every other source of natural oil and gas that we have here because we have more than we need and enough for Europe to export as well. Why are we buying oil today, this minute, this second, from Vladimir Putin? It's what funds those tanks. It's what funds those cluster bombs. It's what's allowing him to keep doing what he's doing. There is no justification. There is no excuse. Unless people have political agendas and financial interests in not helping the Ukrainians to the extent that we could. And when I hear that we opened up the strategic oil reserve or we, we accessed the strategic oil reserve, that too, you know, it sounds very important and and big, right? Oh, strategic oil reserves. Well, number one, they were topped off or they were added to by the last president. They were there for war. What they took out of the strategic oil reserves a few days ago will be used up by tomorrow afternoon. Think about that. They make it sound like they've done something miraculous that will help ease the, the pain at the pump. Number one, it'll be gone by tomorrow afternoon. But number two, how do you even use the phrase pain at the pump when people's arms and legs are being blown off and they're dying, laying in the streets of Kiev and the other Ukrainian cities that are being attacked, overrun, and decimated by an incredible show of force set upon those people by Vladimir Putin? We can make all the excuses we want, but when you look back at World War II, I know one of the things we often hear is that President Kennedy, John F. Kennedy, his father, Joseph Kennedy, who was the U.S. ambassador to Great Britain at the time of the Second World War, that Joseph Kennedy was a Nazi sympathizer. He admired Hitler. He did business with the Nazis. He sold them, I forget whether it was armaments or or help finance the gas that was used in the chamber. I forget what it was, but he did business with the Nazis during World War II. And we look back at that as a terrible thing. Hello, we're doing business as I podcast with Vladimir Putin. 
We're buying oil that we don't need to buy from him because we have enough of our own. You can't look back and condemn anyone for doing anything that borders on treason or not in the best interest of the United States if while you're trying to do that, in real time, you yourself are doing it. You know, I know that those truckers on the Freedom Convoy are on their way to Washington, D.C., and I know that they're headed there because of the mandates, at least initially. But there are supposedly 10,000 trucks that will circle Washington, D.C. by, I think, March 3rd or 4th, 5th, whatever the date is. And I said something to a friend of mine just the other day. We were texting and I said, they ought to be protesting what's happening with Ukraine. They ought to be protesting our lame, slow, inadequate effort to defend fellow humans who are begging, begging for our assistance, who are showing a level of bravery that I haven't seen before in my lifetime. Maybe the young man in Tiananmen Square who stood in front of the tanks. But I've seen masses of Ukrainian people walking out of their towns down the road, hundreds of them walking, staring down a Russian tank driving right toward them. These people are amazing. And we are doing virtually nothing to stop what's going on. You know, the other day I had a thought. It's not a thought I'm proud of. I respect the office of the presidency of the United States, but I don't respect the man in it right now because he's weak and he's addle-brained and he's incompetent for the job. And my thought was, Ukraine got a comedian who became their president and we got a president who became a joke. The president of Ukraine, Vladimir Zelensky, will go down in history forever for his heroism, for his steadfastness, for his refusal like every other cowardly leader in the world who takes the first plane out with all the money when his country is attacked, for standing with his people, for wearing fatigues, for going to the EU and pleading for membership, for picking up a rifle himself and for refusing the, quote, ride, end quote, that Joe Biden offered him out. I loved what he said. We need armaments. I don't need a ride. That may be a little paraphrase, but in essence, that's what it is. So yes, again, it's down to you and it's down to me. That's what it's down to. It's down to not being silent because silence in the face of evil is evil itself. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said it and he knows it because he tried to stop Hitler. Anyone who has lived through this kind of experience before, or I might say, anyone who knows history, and too many Americans don't anymore because it stopped being taught in our schools at the same time that God was evicted, so too were true history lessons evicted from the public domain of public education. Anyone who knows history knows this doesn't end well when you let a tyrant and a vicious killer who has no value for human life, run roughshod over boundaries he has no right to cross. I'll say it again. I don't know if you can sleep, but I'm having a difficult time sleeping. I have this microphone. I do what I can, but we really need to come together in a collective outcry because as sure as those tanks are rolling over your house or mine, 
They are, in essence, doing it right now by rolling over those buildings in the Ukraine and bombing those buildings. Those people are us. We are them. There is only one of us. I have said it for as long as I can remember. There is only one of us. And if we don't stand, again, I'm paraphrasing, there will be no one to stand when the Vladimir Putins and his ilk come for us. I'm Carol Gold. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Think for Yourself. And until I'm back Carol here again on Friday, please do. thanks you for spending your valuable do. time with her. Think It is yourself. her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's Carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.